Welcome to Level Playing Field, a podcast where two, three, four, or sometimes even more longtime friends get together and talk about one of their favorite hobbies, video games. Today, our main topic is gaming hot takes. My name is Andrew Kimball, and I'm your host. Joining me on today's episode, we have the monster hunter himself, Dylan Wren. Hello, people. Caleb, I have lots of thoughts about that. Van Nice. This is the first time I'm hearing my name. Okay, cool. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and the second worst driver in Grand Theft Auto I've ever seen, Joe Summer. That's not the agreed upon intro we came up with earlier. Hey, at least you're not the first worst driver. <laughs> Foreshadowing because of how time works. <laughs> That's true. You'll have to keep listening to figure out who that is. Before we dive in, I just want to ask that if you enjoy our show, please tell a friend or two. It would really mean a lot. Also, check us out on all the various social media platforms and YouTube by searching Level Playing Field Gaming, so you can interact with us there. If you're still feeling generous after that, subscribing and leaving a review would be super helpful in growing our show and our community. Now let's get started. Let's open this one up with a little bit of what we've been playing, because Caleb's here. He hasn't been here in a while. He's kind of hit and miss lately. And uh, also, I have started The Last of Us 2, which by the time this comes out, I'll probably have beaten it. But let's start with you, Caleb. What you've been playing lately? Uh, a couple different things. Uh, so just based on how busy my life is right now, what I'm playing depends entirely on what's going on. Um, so I am trying to, I mentioned in the 50 questions, uh, one that I remembered that I'd never beaten the DLC for Zelda. So I'm... Almost done with the DLC for Zelda now. Nice. Uh, been working on that a little bit. Which Zelda? Breath of the Wild. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, the only Zelda with DLC yeah. at the moment. Um, I also, people who liked my first blog post on The Witcher should be happy because I've been back into Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Nice. Um, See if you can beat it before Dylan. <laughs> I mean, Jody got some more over-unders for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I watched the... Witcher series on Netflix and absolutely adored it. So I might do an article on that. And then, yeah, I, I wanted more of the TV show and it's not happened yet. So I just like, well, I do own a game with the same characters in it. So I'll just do that instead. Uh, and then I also started Assassin's Creed for Black Flag. So nice. It, th I have thus far, I'm just being a pirate and having a good time. I don't actually know what's going on, but. That, well, that's pretty much yeah. what that game's about. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like that one relies, n like, doesn't have any sort of, like, if you know the Animus and stuff, it's like, oh, I kind of get this. But, like, if you don't, if you've never played an Assassin's Creed before, I think Black Flag is like, yep, you're just a pirate. Yeah, like, yeah. I've, from, I do know a little bit about the overarching meta plot, and so the twists on it are interesting, like the fact that Kenway isn't really an assassin, he just killed one and took his cloak and identity. Yep. Uh, or the fact that, Abstergo is making a video game called Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and that's where you're working. That's that amuses me. But yeah, no, I I just mean in terms of like, it, it kind of does just throw you in the middle, and I'm okay with that. I'm like, yeah, I'll just go run around and be a pirate. Yeah, I thought that the characters were really like the cast mm -hmm. of characters in that game are cool, and then yeah, well, pirates. it was yeah, it was, but it was kind of in, like interesting and not quite subtle but a little bit more subtle than other games how they did weave the assassins mm -hmm. like story into the over overall story so yeah but also if you just want to be a pirate that game serves Which that purpose as well i always yeah. do always want to be a pirate more pirate games that's that's my first hot take more games should have pirates i don't know yeah, that that's really, a hot take <laughs> there really has been a lack of pirates in gaming besides like sea of thieves and 
that Ubisoft game that's never coming out. <laughs> yeah, they were like, people like Black Flag, let's make a standalone, and it still hasn't come out yet. Also, they were, they were kind of unclear. Is it just the ship parts? Of- yeah. It was oh. initially, but it's. I think it's morphed so many times. Mm-hmm. That, oh, okay. But, yeah. Because I would like if they just kept like the third person and everything too and just did like a straight up pirate series that'd be, that'd be and cool. i think they were trying to make it like a multiplayer mm-hmm. thing yeah they don't have like, to do that yeah so who knows um dylan you've been playing anything interesting i've been playing sekiro um banging my head against that wall <laughs> same i have gotten better at the combat it has started making more sense to me but i'm still not great at it there's a lot in that game that just kind of makes it like, it's so different, I guess, from the way that I play Dark Souls that yeah. it makes it... Like, in Dark Souls, if you don't have a shield, like, do not block. You roll away, you dodge, that sort of thing. And so, in Sekiro, you just have a sword. And so, my instinct from years of playing Dark Souls is roll away, dodge away. But what you're supposed to do is deflect and block because you just block it with your sword, which makes sense, but... It doesn't I, feel natural. I need to... Yeah, like... So much of my gaming history has been like, oh, you just have sword, so roll away on screen. <laughs> like, so that's what I'd heard about Sekiro is that it, it's for a lot of people, it was a good entry point, but for Dark Souls players, it was actually added a lot of difficulty because mm-hmm. it is kind of intentionally the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. And like, so my brain is starting to comprehend, like, oh, you can just hold down the block button and you'll block it with your sword and take no damage. So I'm starting to get that and I'm starting to get better. Like I'm starting to figure out the parry window a little bit better, but then I'm kind of resetting my brain because I keep jumping back and forth in the dark Souls series too. playing my beat one. And so I'm playing some new game plus in there and then I beat or I'm playing some of like dark souls two just because I'm trying to like go through that series and two is like my favorite currently. And then I jumped a little bit into destiny two seeing all the news a couple weeks ago about like what they're doing with their game got me interested to jump in and you know just kind of see it i really like the world of destiny 2 and the lore and the story and so jumping in and just kind of seeing what's going on and getting some cool new guns and playing some multiplayer and doing some dungeons and stuff it's been fun does it still have suffer from that like empty feeling like destiny one had that really bad I don't feel like it does anymore just because I feel like, A, there are enough people like anytime I go. And some of this could just be because I am max leveled at least. And so I can go to like whatever the current content that's being done. And so whenever you're kind of able to go into current content, it's like there's always five or six other players right there doing the same content as me. So I've never had like those issues. I have in the, I guess I did kind of, go in and do like an alternate character, try to level them up a little bit. And it is a little bit more empty there, but it still feels relatively much more like filled out than destiny one did. Hey, you're, so. you're not feeling like you're in an MMO by yourself. Exactly. So it's not like playing wow and trying to like level at level one. So yeah, surprisingly, uh, the other day I was leveling through Northrend and local defense in the Borean tundra was popping off. There was eight people having a conversation. Interesting. Which is like, yeah, normally those zones are all dead. And it was just a weird, like, what year is it moment? (laughs) 2005. 
Yeah, like Dylan, I've been playing Dark Souls. I've been hating myself through Dark Souls. Uh, the first one. The first one. Yeah, yeah. I'm There's... forcing myself because I refuse to let this game win. <laughs> but I... I talked to you last week though, and you were on Bed of Chaos. There's only like one boss after that. Yeah, I haven't gotten any further because that was what Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I came down here and yeah. So I haven't got because I need to go to the DLC and oh, yeah. do the DLC before I do the final boss. You Otherwise, do because I didn't realize that it doesn't just let you choose when you new game plus; it just dumps you back at the start of the game. So I missed the DLC. Yeah, That's how Bloodborne so, is too. Yeah, I'm. I need to run through it, but um, it's a nice time for a break because bed of chaos seriously broke me uh like it's i think dark souls 3 place. has harder combat but you're going to die more in dark souls because dark souls 3 is a little more upfront about what can kill you where it can kill you what's going on dark souls is much more you know what you're gonna die like yeah. forget um and there have been so many times where i've full wiped um the crystal cave i absolutely hated is that the yeah that's the one where the floor is just invisible the floor is well and there's also you you walk out on these like big crystals to Mm -hmm. fight some giant crystal monsters and you know like these are octagonal that's a word hexagonal you know kind of that shape but the surface you were walking on was not a single flat surface it was where (laughs) Like two two edges met, and there were certain. If you stepped onto the wrong part, you would just slide off immediately. Yep. Or if an enemy hit you, you would get knocked back onto that part and slide off. Im- and I have lost a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand souls. Yep. From full wiping, <laughs> um, yep. and like I said, I would. I've questioned if I should keep going with this, but I'm just like, this game can't win. Yeah, I have to get to the end. Too stubborn to quit. Yeah, I'm too stubborn to quit. Well, you so you beat Tomb of Giants, right? Yeah. So yeah, Lost Isolith is like the last place. Yeah, I I have disregarded any side stuff in Lost Isolith. Mm -hmm. Like I went down to the Demon Ruins, got through that as fast as possible. Didn't look at any side stuff. Got into Lost Isolith. I think I have failed like three NPC quests, and I really just don't care. I'm just like, get me to the end of this game and release me from this. <laughs> is that all you've been playing? Pretty much. I mean, I'm still playing World of Warcraft as our resident World of Warcraft player, but that's that's constant, you know? Like, I have to bring that up every time. Cool. Well, I've also been playing Sekiro. Not going to go too deep into that. I will say more about it next week as how time and recording works. But... I did start The Last of Us Part 2. I'm only a couple hours in. And that game is from a game, like looking at it just as a game, aside from all the review bombing and controversy and everything, is pretty like impressive. And I'm playing on a base, well, I didn't buy it at launch, but it's still a base PS4. And it looks crazy. And the transitions from gameplay to, to cutscene and back and forth are crazy. And the cutscenes feel like you're watching a movie and like it, the quality is ridiculously impressive, but I can't can't speak too much about the game itself, the story it's telling, anything like that. I do think that so far I've enjoyed the gameplay more than the first one. Playing as Ellie, you have a little bit more options to get away. You have a dodge. Um, you have a knife that doesn't break. So you, you feel a little bit more confident going into some scenarios. But yeah, beyond that, don't have much to say. 
keep your eyes open for our deep dive spoiler cast episode that we're going to do in the future on that one. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and roll into our main topic for this episode. So the main topic for this episode, as stated earlier, if you're paying attention, <laughs> is hot takes, controversial opinions. I mean, if you're tuned into, you know, gaming, not like culture, but the gaming scene, the industry, the Facebook pages, the Reddit, like hot takes, everybody's got them. There's always a thread about them. We thought it'd be kind of fun to dive into it and do an episode on it. And that's why we had to make sure we had Caleb and Joe on the same episode. I'm really hoping that that pays off. I have a feeling that their hot takes won't line up, but we'll see. Everybody was supposed to have three that they're like um, prepared to talk about. We'll see. We'll go around and just see how the discussion goes because, you know, someone's take could spark a friendly debate. (laughs) And then uh, if we get through three, great. If it goes quick, uh, some of us have a few more we might throw out. Um, I I didn't know three. So, yeah, some of us might have more. Yeah. I also came up with more just in case there were repeats or Mm. like to read the room and see like which ones do I want to use. And also, cause it was really hard to come up with hot takes. So I just like came up with some things that, you know, might fit. Yeah. And I figured I'd kind of just play it by ear as we, as we went and yeah. And see what happened. But, and, and these, like when we say hot takes too, like it can be about the industry as a whole. It can right. be about specific games. Yep. It can, Anything you know. in gaming. It could be about gaming, like, current trends, mm-hmm. practices, uh, industry things, um, how the players and community react to things. It could be about journalism or yeah, just a game mm-hmm. or a mechanic in a game, anything, yeah, just anything you think might trigger the rest of the group and spawn an interesting discussion with that. Caleb, start us off. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no pressure. I'm trying to decide, do we want to start with a long like discussion or do we want to start with a... Um, just just get crazy. Just throw out this one. Okay. Uh, Unless it's going to offend me. No, <laughs> the Witcher 3 is terrible. He just said he's, he's like the Witcher. Yes, no, I'm now... Probably something about open worlds or... I mean, I do have that on here, but we'll wait for that one. We'll, we'll start with a much more hotter take. I... Do not get why one would buy an Xbox over a PlayStation at this point. Like it just how dare you? <laughs> see, I knew I could <laughs> see. I just part of it's just because I don't. The two are similar enough in tech that it's sort of like a okay, sure, which whichever one. But then, like to me, after you get over the tech hurdle, it comes down to the exclusives, and I just don't see any for Xbox. They have Halo and they have Gears of War, and that's all they've had since the 360. So, so you're talking about current generation or going into the next generation? Either, like I, I probably am actually going to skip the like. I like to collect all the consoles, but I'll probably skip the one and just get a Series X somewhere down the line if it's backwards compatible to mm. pick up that. Like, it's what backwards compatible oh yeah you mean something the ps5 is cagey about yes <laughs> um but i already have a ps4 so i don't care uh, well uh, you say you don't see why anyone would buy an xbox yeah well see that's <sighs> yeah, does, does the it's the, all about the services because yes i will agree that playstation has that stable of games and on like i have both consoles um 
Xbox, I think, is going to be objectively more powerful and probably look slightly better if you're into like the real like mm-hmm. nitpicky stuff. I think average person who doesn't have the most awesome TV won't really care. But I think that Xbox is making a bunch of moves, Phil Spencer, that are very pro gamer. Like all their services and the things, the features that it's going to have are very like gamer minded. Whereas I feel like PlayStation doesn't do that. See, I just, I don't agree because I don't think the services, I think the services are neat, but at the end of the day, it they don't, they're still giving me something I can get anywhere else. I could get mm-hmm. most of those services like on a PC if I wanted to. It's it just sort of a, if I'm going to have a home <laughs> console, then I I would, I don't, I just don't see the appeal at this juncture. Like, Does, it, does Sony let have a service where you can pay five bucks a month to play Sony exclusives the day they come out? No. no, they do not. Yeah. But I like, could also do that again on a PC. So I don't need to have. Yeah. Me. And who provides that service on PC? Microsoft. But I'm saying like the console <laughs> itself, the Xbox has nothing for me. Yeah. Well, the Xbox can... is just a plug and play PC at this point. It's like, so it's the true. fact that all of your co-hosts play on Xbox is an incentive to you. Well, I, I can see, I can see where Caleb's coming from. Cause I think it really does depend on, what you're in it for like if you're if you're in it for a single player game experience like if you're in it for the exclusives if you want to play games i will give him that at current juncture playstation does have better exclusives we'll see next month if xbox comes out with some good exclusives because they are supposed to announce some xbox they series up X all lineup. those studios for a reason yeah so so we may oops, siri hello but but I can't I can't understand like if if the only thing that you care about is like playing the games and like triple A high quality like I can understand why Story you would driven. be like why would anyone buy an Xbox because realistic as much as I am a big Xbox fan like if you're not into Halo and Gears like really what is there for you and and I will admit there's not a ton of like exclusive stuff on there Dylan they could don't win. be nice but we're going for the throw that said. <laughs> That said, I will get my, one of my hot takes that I'm now going to do first is is relevant to this. Go for it. All right. So my hot take is that console exclusives provide an excuse for com- companies to not perpetuate consumer friendly practices. And if exclusives were time limited instead of just console exclusives, it would be better a for the console makers because like who cares if I play Last of Us three or Last of Us two three years later on the Xbox? But it would also be better for consumers because like you were saying, oh I don't care about services and mm-hmm. it's like that's fair. But like the exclusives, there like Andrew was kind of saying, there's a lot of stuff that Sony's doing that is kind of anti-consumer. And Nintendo's kind of guilty of a lot of this as oh, well. Yeah. Nintendo uh, has so many. I love them to death, but they also just, you know, that's actually going to be one of my hot takes later. We'll get to that. Yeah. And so so to me, I'm like, okay, so what what would happen if Last of Us came out on Xbox, you know, in 2022, 2023? You know, Sony like, would make a bunch more money. Yes. <laughs> a, Sony would make a bunch more money because not everyone can afford to have both consoles. Two, like... Anyone that cares about playing Last of Us 2 day one, you know, they probably bought a PlayStation to do it. And so Sony got that sale. And then three, if you know that consoles are going to get like that game, then eventually then you're able to pick based on everything else that the console offers, because there's a lot of different 
you know, things that the console offers. But right now, as consumers, we're kind of limited to like having to think about the exclusives. And I think that's very anti-consumer. And I think that the industry as a whole kind of leans on that as like a crutch to not have to innovate, to not have to like deal like competition pushes the industry forward. And right now they're just leaving the competition. Like Xbox is doing different things. And I think they have to do those different things because they don't have the exclusives. And I like what they're doing because they don't have a strong, as strong of a lineup as exclusives. Whereas Sony, I think kind of just to me seems to rest on their laurels and Nintendo especially seems to just kind of rest on their laurels. Although Nintendo just kind of doesn't care what everyone else does. Um, but you know, I says, forget you guys. I'm just doing weird stuff. And so I, I think that it, has create like exclusives have created this arbitrary like oh well you have to buy a PlayStation because don't you want to play Last of Us whereas there's no reason that I can see from a business perspective other than just trying to not have to innovate to not offer it eventually down the you know you can even kind of see it a little bit with Sony starting to put them on PC but like if if I knew as an Xbox owner that I could play God of War you know at the end of Xbox One's life cycle. I would give Sony 60 bucks to play it, you know, like, so they'd make money off of me. They'd already have made all their money off of people that wanted to play it day one. So, and Sony would have to actually address, you know, the PlayStation name change thing. That was a nightmare for 10 years, 20 years. How long was it? You know, they'd have to address the fact that their services are kind of crap when you look at most other platforms, you know? So, so I, I think, for the industry as a whole exclusives. Like I understand why they exist, but I think they're just an excuse. So that is my hot take. I'm going to take that one further. I think Nintendo is the only console manufacturer that can justify the existence of their consoles. And I think that is this your hot take that this is okay. So you're saying that because Nintendo innovates on the console itself, they're the only ones that can justify you buying their specific console. Everything else should be played everywhere. And just Sony and Xbox should just make their games. Pretty much, yeah. Like, there's no... <laughs> and everyone like, just buys a PC. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's, like, <laughs> Nintendo, I get it. They make totally unique games. Like, the Switch is a completely unique platform. Yeah. There's a bunch of reasons to buy a Switch. There really is not a good reason to buy a PlayStation 5 or a Series X outside of the, like, well, I had the last generation, so I guess I'll get the well, new hardware. I disagree. Because as the resident PC expert, <laughs> I like plugging and playing. You can plug and play on a PC nine out of ten times these days. I was going to say if that you can go to whatever new release, you go to Steam, buy, you in you know hit install, and you're off and away. If and then your you're somebody crash. who <laughs> no one's had. I guess basically one out of ten times there's a driver issue. Yeah. Generally speaking, there is not because, you know, they've gotten to a point now where they are talking to AMD and NVIDIA mm-hmm. ahead of time that they have drivers ready to go day one. If there's any issues, most of the time you don't need those drivers. I've never had an issue with a PC game where it's like I run it and it just fails and yeah. like won't run and I have to do driver issues and like fix hardware. None of that. So really, I think the main thing that would I would, like the counterpoint I would make to this is how how much does it take to get like a a gaming PC that will run every new release? Well, and I think in this world Joe is envisioning, 
there would be manufacturers just selling plug and plug and play PCs. You mean, yeah. I mean, essentially, that's what the next generation is. Yeah, I mean, you're buying the Sony PC and the X and the Microsoft PC next gen, pretty much. And so, yeah, in in your vision of the gaming scene where Nintendo's the only one innovating in the console space, you just do you want the $200 tower? Do you want the $500 tower? You plug it in and your game looks a certain way because it can only run it a certain way. Right. The the cost to entry is higher than like going and buying a. One X today, like a One X today, is what three hundred bucks, three fifty. Oh yeah, you can find them pretty cheap, right? Yeah. Now. So if you have no hardware whatsoever, getting a One X and then like a little tiny twenty inch TV is going to be lower cost than if you went out and got set up with the PC. But your cost over time will definitely be lower. Uh, you're going to have more control over your experience in terms of if you care about looks and all of that if you want to push your hardware if you don't care as much and want to be frugal uh if a game isn't hitting a certain frame rate you have the control to go in there and tweak things under the hood mm-hmm. and get that frame rate up whereas if your one x is chugging on one war zone at 20 frames a second you can't do anything you're stuck with that um so i think yeah and over time on the pc you know Every couple of years, you're going to spend a little money on an upgrade if you want to keep up. But I mean, the console manufacturers are doing the same thing. You know, console comes out. Okay, a few years later, hey, here's the like upgraded version of that same console. Um, you also, if you have a console, then you're also going to be keeping a tablet or a laptop or something else for your day-to-day computing tasks. If you have a PC, that's already taken care of. So when you look at the cost overall, like what you're spending over time on electronics, you're going to be spending the same amount or less and getting a superior experience where you're not beholden to a single company and you have a much greater level of control over your experience. My only issue with everything you're saying is that that, with the exception of the exclusives part, that all already exists if you want to do a PC. The Xbox and PlayStation are just like, I don't have to think about it. Like that's the yeah. nicest thing about it is I don't have to think. I buy the box. Any any games that have the same color stripe at the top, I can play them without thinking about it. And yep. that's that's kind of you can you can send your mom to get you an Xbox. You can't send your mom to get you a gaming PC. <laughs> Harsh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like look, even if she comes home with the base Xbox that they released at the start of this console generation, it's gonna play. <laughs> your games maybe not as well as it as you know yeah i mean control may you stutter. can you can spend 60 bucks for someone else to change your oil every time and never get your hands dirty or you can learn to change your own oil and you're spending 20 bucks you know Joe, do you like change your own oil? changing my oil no it's a <laughs> yeah, local mechanics <laughs> yeah but i know how to change my own oil i do it very very rarely yeah i will i will give you that like if you do other things on a computer on a daily basis, like getting a gaming PC is not ridiculous. And then, you know, like if I was doing stuff constantly on my computer, then I can see being like, Oh, well, if I spend a few extra dollars, like I can make this a gaming ready PC and I'll also be able to do everything I need to for work or, you know, whatever. So I can, I can get it. I don't know that. Like, I, I guess I can see your point that it's like, well, why is it, 
why does it matter? Because like, I can see, you know, like, okay, if you're looking at it strictly from a, what does this bring to the table that you can't get on a PC switch is the only one that really is doing something special or Nintendo really, because Nintendo, but I also think that there's always going to be a spot out there for like someone who just doesn't want to think about it, you know, which I know we could get that to that point in PC, but well, and I, I also, don't know that PC. Yeah, you'd be surprised at like how many people manage to assemble PCs without having like any clue what they're actually doing, yeah. and they somehow still end up with something that like works. Yeah, and I mean, there's easy way. I've looked several times. I have my, the current laptop I have, which is nearing the end of its life cycle, and I don't want to think about it because that costs money. But it's like a moderately like I got it, and it wasn't terribly expensive, but it was like a moderately gaming adjacent laptop. Like it could run most. I think I got it in 2000 and tw- no, 2016, 15, 16. And it was basically $500 and it was only about a console generation behind. It could play most PS3, Xbox 360 level games without much problem. Like a little lower graphically fidelity, but like it was, a, it had a good built in, like I think AMD video card. Like it, it ran everything really mm-hmm. well and it was not expensive. But I think for the terms of like, I really do do just like to have a big TV and a box I can plug and play. And I think you go, you look at what steam tried to do a few years ago with like the steam box. And I don't think that took off at all. Like people, Mm. people like, Oh, that's neat. And then it was kind of confusing. Even like the idea was, I think what you were envisioning, which is like, it didn't matter. A bunch of different people made plug and play PCs. It did just, it was up to you to decide which one worked best for you, but it was too confusing. And there was, I don't know. It, it just was kind of a mess. And I think that uh, I think as it stands now, as much problems as there are with PlayStation and Xbox, there's a reason there's only two people that are just like, here's the new box that you buy and you stick in, you don't think about it and you go home. And then Nintendo's just like, what if you moved the controller and it moved the little guy's tennis racket and that, that, <laughs> that they made $6 million. <laughs> yeah. So I had like uh, I guess sort of a hot take on consoles in general, which is that I think that the whole concept of the console war is stupid. Yeah, I mean, it is. Have we convinced you otherwise with our hot takes? <laughs> no, and I don't know that like a uh, a PC for everyone future is what I was envisioning. But for me, I think what I'm thinking more is let's get that crossplay mm. normalized. And all, yeah. but but what I'm talking about probably more is more of the attitude. Yeah, is that. Like especially right now with Xbox doing their their little gameplay thing that didn't show enough gameplay gameplay, and then Sony doing their announcement, and those mm-hmm. two things being compared side by side, even though they're like separate calibers of events, it's just like you, all the fanboys come out and all the tribalism happens, and it's just this. I I picked this color, yeah. and I'm gonna die defending this color, and I can't recognize anything that the other guy did yep. that was. Yeah. Your hot take good is or successful. Suck. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like my hot take isn't really, I guess, something to get like this table triggered because I think we're all kind of on the same page with that. But yeah. it's just it's an industry thing that kind of irks me and makes me like I don't yeah. want to tell people that I'm a gamer or I don't want to tell people that, you know, I mostly play on Xbox mm. because then all of a sudden I'm I'm an Xbox fanboy. Yeah. But I have I'm playing Last of Us right now. Like I like gaming. Yeah. Yes. I happen to like plug and play and I have dabbled in PC stuff, but but I think that overall, the console war mm-hmm. concept and thing that is it, it, just dumb. Yeah, like the the picking of sides that is 
kind of perpetuated by gaming culture in general, I think is a negative thing. Like if we can all just, I mean, obviously there's going to be, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, which one is technically more powerful? Cause there are people that care about that kind of stuff, but I don't understand you people, but I respect you. Yeah. We'll get to that later. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, the same hot take. (laughs) Yeah. At the same time, it's, there are a lot of people out there like, you know, us on this podcast, we have some like fun ribbing of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, play the PlayStation fanboy or the Xbox fanboy right. or the PC fanboy. Right. But like in general, we just all like gaming. And there's a lot of people that don't seem like they're able to get past like whichever thing you play on. You know, they ju- they're going to judge you and your opinions negatively because, oh, you play on Xbox or, oh, you play on PlayStation. And it's like, well... That's not really like productive yeah. or helpful. Because let me also throw as someone who just like threw Xbox under the bus at the beginning of here, just at your big conference in a month, Xbox, announce a new Banjo Kazooie game and mm. everything will be forgiven. I mean everything. <laughs> yeah. Well and and you know, it, it provides these console makers with even more excuses to not change things. You know, it's mm. like if if Sony knows that it's got the hardcore dedicated Sony fanboys out there that they could put out literal crap and they're going to buy it because, Mm. Oh, well I'll never be caught dead with an Xbox and, you know, same flip, you know, flip it around like Xbox fanboys that don't care what Microsoft does. They're just going to buy the next Xbox. Um, like, you know, same thing. Meanwhile, Nintendo has us over here whipped. We're just like, yeah, we'll take whatever Wii U. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but you know, Nintendo actually does innovate, you know, that's true. Um, And I will say on the note of the Wii U, tiny microscopic hot take. Most everything everyone loves about the switch. They were trying with the Wii U and like the tech, they they just didn't have the idea figured out yet. The Wii U was mm. basically a rough draft. I can see what they were trying to do. And then the switch was like, Oh, that's, that's the thing. That's what you were. That's what you're going for. Yeah. So yeah, in essence, I, I totally agree. You know, like it's, yeah, like I said, it's not super hot in this room, but in the larger gaming community. Yeah. Well, and that's the vocal people that you see on, you know, the, like, right. You talked about the last of us. There are tons of people review bombing the last of us. Never don't have a PlayStation, never going to play the game. They're just, you know, Xbox fanboys or PC fanboys that are going to like just dump on that game because it's Sony, you know? And, you know, there are definitely a lot of people out there that like are posting negative reviews because they don't like the game or they don't like the story. And those, you know, are legitimate. But there are also on the flip side, a lot of people giving it 10 out of 10s that it's like, is this colored by your love for Sony? You know, like, and so I think it's hurting the industry as a whole because I have to then, you know, it's kind of like watching news in this day and age. It's like if I turn on a news channel, it's like, oh, well, this news channel is conservative. This news channel is liberal. Like I now have to interpret what the news they're telling me is through the lens of like, well, you have an opinion and are biased. And so, right. And then I guess leading into that, my next hot take is actually on the review score thing. I think generally uh, most gaming review scores are kind of tilted upwards in a way they maybe shouldn't be like, this is, this has been a long complaint of mine just in terms of like, all right, if you have a 10 point scale, most people read anything as like six or below as bad. Like right objectively mm-hmm. yeah it's really like between six and ten yeah, six like, and that's a that's a tepid take caleb come on no no, you no. Can hit us with but I, hotter. I do i i am going to make it a little hotter in a second but that just in general <laughs> the but kind of basing off what he said i do, i think people are way too quick to go oh this impresses me right now or something about this is impressive 
therefore it's a nine or 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like, honestly, looking back at it, I guarantee you like half of the 10 out of 10 games of the past 10 years are probably more like seven or eights. But we just were like, look how cool this thing is right now. And everyone's forgotten about it like six months later. So does that mean that the seven and eights in the past are actually like fives and sixes? Yes, I would actually go as far as to say there's probably a lot of like, this goes back to my, I think we skew too high. A game really should be, if you give a game a five, it probably means it's fine. If you like this sort of thing, you probably will enjoy it. There's nothing like amazing about it maybe a couple cool bits but it's but fine. that's like a seven now yeah that's yeah. like a seven now and so you have stuff like like dylan was just saying there's probably plenty of people putting last of us part two as 10 out of 10 does it deserve to be that i don't know i haven't played it yet i have concerns i'm also excited we're gonna find out in mm. a month or so but um once once i finally finish it um but i do wonder how much of it is like this game actually is an absolute masterpiece that deserves to go down as one of the best games of the decade. Mm-hmm. Or is it just pretty good? And we're very excited right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to happen. I think that happens a lot in the industry. I think I mean, as yeah. a whole, reviewers are kind of too kind to games. The problem yeah. with reviewing, too, is that it's just an opinion. Yeah. So. Well, and I want to say, too, I, I was reading something about Last of Us review scores on Reddit or something like that. And, like, a lot of these places that are reviewing and scoring things, like, you get, like, the first five points of the scale is basically, like, does this run versus does it not run? And so I think that... Which is, is not really a barometer most of yeah. the other things have. Like, when you go review a movie, you're not like, hey, the movie played all the way through. Exactly. It didn't just <laughs> cut out halfway through or crash, you know? Like, And so I think, uh, you know... I, Three stars, movie played to the credits. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I think in a way that's, you know, kind of... We need to, like you were saying, kind of rethink how we are reviewing things. And also, as consumers, we need to rethink what we're... Like, because there are plenty of movies that get negative reviews that still kill it in the box office, you know, like Transformers Exhibit A. Well, yeah, and sometimes you find, like, this is somewhat, like, less hot tape, but, like, Fallout 76 is kind of weird and not good, but I don't think it's the absolute travesty people sold it as. It's just kind of like a... The big problem is it's basically an over-glorified tech Mm -hmm. demo that they charge full price for, and that's a little shady. Yeah. But, like, other than that, it's fine it's yeah. as glitchy as any other bethesda game it's well and and kind of building off this isn't my hot take or anything but building off that you know pretty much every other thing that we give review scores like a movie stays that movie like mm-hmm. when it's released it comes out in theaters you know you have your rare movie like uh, the lord of the rings movies that come out with like an extended edition that makes them even better but like for the most part the movie that comes out in theaters is the same one that's coming out in you know on dvd or blu-ray or whatever Mm. later whereas games a game can come out not run a week later run perfectly and they've patched out you know something and fixed it completely and so it's like you could a game could get a review score of like a six and then a week later be a 10 and we don't acknowledge that yeah that kind of happened to days gone in my opinion so that kind of leads into my next hot take then because i'll pick this one the people who are the quote unquote voice of the gaming industry do not actually speak for gamers. I, I do. I believe that the gaming in, or 
when you when you think of like the people that we go to for reviews that we go to for news that we you know like we we've got all these sites that are very steeped in gaming culture and games and all of that sort of thing but i am not convinced that they are representative at all of gamers in general i believe they leave a lot of people who are gamers out and i believe that they are not acknowledging biases that they have you yeah. know if if i can count on my hand how many people that are in the games industry that do reviews that do news that do that kind of stuff that aren't beholden to like all these games on the nes and constantly compare everything to well the nes game was so much better like i don't know that i could get to 10 you know like and 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 that's not necessarily a bad thing you know you like what you like but i think you see this in a lot of kind of what we've talked about with you know review scores you know i think the people who are reviewing games are the people that play every single game that ever comes out and that have a much wider sample size to compare things to. So obviously if you're comparing fallout 76 to like God of war and last of us and all of these amazing 10 out of 10 games, you're going to be like a little bit harsher on it. Whereas the average gamer, the person that they purportedly represent is going to play fallout 76 and be like, you know, it's not a great game, but you know, I'm not upset that I bought it on sale. You know, yeah. like, yeah. And, and similarly, the this kind of goes into like the whole graphics and frame rate thing that we were talking about earlier. Like, I, I believe that there are a lot of people who are the voice of the industry that focus on graphics and frame rate, but I don't think the general normal gamer gives a crap about that. You know, like, mm-hmm. obviously, there are people that care about how your frames are doing, but like, most people can't tell the difference between a 30 frames a second game and a 60 frames a second hold on <laughs> hold on i wasn't gonna say my my minor hot take like because i know joe's about to go off is i would take a higher frame rate over a higher resolution so like if i could if i had to choose between 4k mm-hmm. at 30 frames or like 720 or 1080 at like 120 i'd take the 120 yeah frames. And, and maybe they're able to tell between 30 and 60 but i think if you sit somebody down and be like 30 frames 40 frames 50 frames 60 frames and or any the same with resolutions an average gamer an average gamer let's think about everyone who plays games an average gamer doesn't care and could not tell you the difference between like no they, they would 100 get- will now they may not know they may not have been used to seeing things at a certain resolution or a certain frame rate, and they don't know what they're missing. But 100, once you get to a baseline of 60 or once you get to a baseline of 1080p, you absolutely can tell when things aren't running at that level. And there are this whole like, oh, but you can't see above 24 frames a second because yep. movies are at 24 frames a second and we don't notice. has to do with the difference between real live human motion and animated motion and there's a dylan after we get done we're gonna pull up a, a thing in our browser because there, I mean, there's I, something you can yeah. pull up it is a no kidding it's like in your browser it shows you here's a here's a spaceship moving across the screen we're gonna show you that spaceship at 15 20 30 40 60 120 you will absolutely see a difference and once you start playing games at a consistent 60 frames a second you absolutely will notice when things start to drop below 4k once you get used to 4k you will absolutely notice when you go below 4k and it's going to you're going to hate it i mean i'm not i'm not saying that 
maybe I misworded it. I'm not <laughs> saying that people necessarily don't can't pick up on these things. I'm more so saying they don't care. The general gamer, the, ge- the average gamer, like I, I won't deny that. Like, yes, I'm glad that we play things at a higher frame rate than you know the PC games I played as a kid or. NES games or, you know, even original Xbox games. I, I am glad that we've moved past that. But I I think the like I think the voice of the gaming industry puts a lot more emphasis on how important that is to people than normal gamers do. Like if a game comes out and runs at 30 frames a second, even though I'm used to 60 frames a second, but it has good gameplay and it has a good story, I'm gonna still emphasize story and gameplay over the the graphics, the resolution. Yeah. That, Bloodborne you know, is a good example. I mean, people of that. will play games that run below that threshold mm-hmm. if the game is good enough. But reviewers are the ones who should not be giving companies a pass at like, well, Blight Town runs at ten frames a second, but it Dark Souls is so good. So who like no FromSoft should is rightfully criticized mm-hmm. for Blight Town running at ten frames a second. Because that's like, if your game is dipping below, if your game can't maintain a consistent benchmark, that is objectively just poor work. But on the flip side, how many games are given a pass when they really should be given like fives because, oh, well, the graphics were just so good, you know? Like, that's that's more my point. It's like the reviewers, the people who are the voice of the industry tend to focus on graphics and and i agree you know like they criticize dark souls for blight town running terribly even though some of them were like yeah but i mean the that, difficulty. that's a, that, that's like two separate yeah. issues like but which I'm, is kind of what caleb was talking about where it's game reviewers like to play safe and basically just look at well is this an objectively functioning running working game that looks nice and they don't actually get into like is it good is it fun to play and so that's my point though is like they don't represent the people they claim to represent because i no no because no because they're they care more about the fact that they're getting inside they're getting early access they're getting insider details but those insider details hinge on them playing ball with the company and they don't want to give yeah, that up see that's always a thing i think bug- it's kotaku who is famously blacklisted from bethesda games because, because they, they said something leaked. bad about bethesda and so like the other outlets out there are aware of that and so these they play safe on their reviews and don't dig into things that average people care about as much because it's like well i don't know you know dylan in the mississippi but i know phil who is a designer on the last of us and I don't want to offend him and like hurt our friendship. So like, I'm going to say nice things. So he likes me. And then, you know, the next naughty dog game, maybe I'll get the scoop that boots my career. Yeah. And you know, exactly. Like, I, I mean, cause when I think of people who are gamers though, it's like, you know, average people, it's like, you know, my sister who doesn't care about graphics, doesn't care. You know, like if a game looks nice, she's like, Oh wow, that's a cool looking game. But like, She's just like, is it fun? Is it something I enjoy? And I don't feel like, I feel like most people who play games fall into, you know, because gamers, we're talking about people who play on their phones. We're talking about people who, you know, play things 
years later haven't haven't upgraded to the xbox one or three you know like they're on the 360 still they were still making just dance games for the wii up until like two years ago exactly and so all of those people are still gamers and i don't feel like in general the people who represent gaming and gaming culture tend to and you know even us we're kind of guilty of that too where i think we do a better job and that's that's kind of you're going your whole going going into you know 30 frames a second is fine that that that's it is pushing nuclear territory it it is that's what triggered joe but talking to your point specifically also is your sister plugged into what those people are saying i mean she can pick up on what's good what people are saying is good and what people are saying is bad so like we go in and we listen to you know the personalities and listen to what they're saying and we're more on the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. So we want the people we're listening to to kind of be more on the cutting edge. So there is a little like the demographic of the mm-hmm. gaming, like you're talking about the average gamer that talk that, you know, plays yeah. mobile games or plays, just plays the Sims. Picks up Madden. You right. Know. Those people probably aren't plugged into what these people are saying really specifically. Like mm-hmm. they may get like IGN articles here and there, but like the people that are plugged in and are listening to these personalities you're talking mm-hmm. about, they probably are more in tune and want to hear more of the stuff that they're saying. Yeah. Like they know their target audience, but I, I do agree that to the average or the, you know, kind of unplugged or more basic gamer, mm-hmm. they don't represent that demographic. Well, and I, and but I, I don't think, know that that demographic's listening to them either. And, and to be fair, yeah, I don't think they're listening, but I also think that that leads to them being underrepresented in, you know, we, we had a conversation in our souls episode about, difficulty and you know that kind right. of thing and i think that and, and it's taken us until the last of us two to have accessibility options that are you know pretty widespread and you know a lot of stuff like that and i think that's stuff that if people who focus so heavily on 60 frames a second could represent more of the average gamer who doesn't care as much about 60 frames a second or resolution those are types of things that companies would be forced to address but companies are catering to the people who are going to give them 10 out of 10s and i don't think the people giving 10 out of 10s represent average gamers and so i think that leads to companies and games focusing on things that aren't important to a majority of their base to the detriment of games actually being pushed forward and having better features and better quality to the average person you know yeah I don't know if that makes sense, but no, I, I get what you're saying. But uh, in the sake of time, yeah, let's so give Joe an opportunity of to ten out of you. tens. All right, so just I think Caleb and Dylan have been playing it safe, and I'm going to make the whole table hate me again. The oh, whole no, table, the whole my table. last one is not safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I okay. So here, all like, right. So here we go. The reaction to the cyberpunk delays that oh, we should let them delay it because it's better that they take their time and make something good than rush out a piece of crap is delusional. And I think we are all <laughs> going to be extremely disappointed in cyberpunk. And I don't know why you thought that would make me hate you. <laughs> I'm like, I guess, I guess Caleb, not, I guess it more. What's one of your favorite games, Joe? Is it the Witcher three that was delayed for like six months? Because I really like the, I really like the Witcher three, <laughs> but the Witcher three is, I don't know that it was his favorite. Like, it was yeah. his most anticipated. Yeah. What's one of the games that is constantly complained about by you on this podcast? World of Warcraft that constantly pushes things out even though they're not ready. That's true. <laughs> uh, but 
I, I think get, specifically I for cyberpunk. Okay. Not, I'm not saying all delays are bad and that, you know. Because yeah. I was like, we have said Fallen Order needed to delay. <laughs> yeah. No, there is definitely cases where it's like, so you're I think saying specifically that for cyberpunk. We're expecting too much from these delays. I think people are like, yeah, this will give them the chance to make it good. You don't think that three months is not enough time to fix an inherently broken game. And I think what's happened behind the scenes is that Cyberpunk was, how long ago was it announced that it was going to come out in like April of this year? Uh, it was last year. Last year yeah. E3. And they've been sitting on Cyberpunk for a long time. And they were go, okay, we're going to put this out. Okay, we're going to delay it three months. Okay, we're going to delay it three more months. Like That's, That to me is not just a, oh, this is buggy and needs polish. Because that's one delay. A game that you have been working on for seven years, if you are going like, oh, we need to like put polish on this, you can't start polishing a game seven years down the road. That has to be a continual process. I think they're realizing that there are things that are like, so you they're think- trying to cram it. They're trying to, what I think happening behind the scenes is they're trying to bring stuff together at the very, because they've shown little gameplay, really. Uh-huh. There was that demo D3. And nobody's gotten hands-on. And no, no hands-on. Very little gameplay. I think they had a bunch of cool ideas that aren't meshing, and they're scrambling to try to put something together that works. You're basically saying we should be anticipating some, not quite as bad, but something kind of like Anthem, where they had a vision that only came together in like the last year. Pretty, yeah. yeah like well, Anthem, Andromeda, I think the original Destiny, like it, lots of those similar kinds of things are happening. And I think that. We're going to get to cyberpunk and it's going to be a masterpiece, very divisive. There are some who are going to love it. And then there are going to be those who are like, this is bad. We're, we're going to dig this episode back up. We're going to put this audio in when we're doing <laughs> so, our cyberpunk <laughs> review. We're going to play it for you, Joe. But hey, we but, I also uh, like I said before yeah. we started recording, this is questionable opinions <laughs> about digital entertainment. Like, count, there count. are other games that yeah. have, like Final Fantasy VII Remake had a notoriously bad um, development cycle. Yeah, they scrapped it and started over, right? Uh, they took it in house. They took. Right. I don't know that I, they I don't completely think compl- started over. Mm. They took it in house, but I mean that game got it's a good game mm-hmm. yeah right yeah so um, although we still need to do our so, and, and like how long opinions. ago was that like oh we gotta take this like in house in house like that was three years ago three or three or four uh, from the time it yeah so they they realized out. like this is junk and then they took a substantial amount of time to like go back and fix it how many yeah. times was the witcher 3 delayed at least twice i, I want to say it was delayed more than once yeah and that game has a few bugs and stuff here and there, but the core game is good. Yeah, because because the that, core game is also built off of two predecessors. Well, but see, like that's that was going to be my counterpoint, though. Uh, you know, like I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Screw you, Joe. <laughs> I definitely understand where you're coming from because it is it is a little concerning for me too. Where it's like, why do you keep delaying this? It's also like, concerning for me because uh, I I'm kind of yes, but uh, you know, it's kind of like. We live not that I want the game to get patched day one, but I'm also kind of like, but we live in a world where you could just patch a lot of this before <laughs> like I play it. Right. Um, but also like looking at Bethesda, their games notoriously come out with like 
so much stuff in them that it's like, well, if you do this quest before you do this quest, then it's broken and you just can't finish this other quest. And it's like, so in theory, Cyberpunk has so many branching things and so many quests and so many activities that you can do. Because that's kind of what they've said in their statements is like, we're, you know, there's so much you can do that we're just trying to make sure that if you play it through in this order, if you do these things, that you're not going to like break something that we have, you know, because essentially we're talking about permutations here. It's like, you right, know, yeah. if, you, if you're talking about a golden path game, then you can play through that golden path game a hundred times. And if it only breaks once, then you're pretty sure that you've gotten all the bugs. Whereas this, it's like, well, if I do this one quest before this other quest, who knows what that's changing? And so I'm, I can kind of see it where it's like, maybe they're just trying to get enough play time because like the games industry would crucify them if it came out and it wasn't, like and if something broke and you couldn't There's make progress or it that may be very well they're trying to do there will never be enough testing hours yeah. that they can get no matter how many times they delay it like the first hour that game yeah. is out it's gonna have more qa hours than if they had an army of qa working yeah. around the clock and like i agree but like your hot take is that there's something fundamentally wrong with the core gameplay whereas i think it's more so like there are so many it's systems and things ambitious. interplaying that there's nothing wrong with any of them, but they're just trying to get as much QA as they can. And like you said, there's never going to be enough. The things are going to break, but they're also kind of resting on their laurels of like, well, we're one of the better ones when it comes out that in general, it works for the most part. And, and so I, to me, I'm taking it more so because when did they add Keanu Reeves to it? Well, last they announced year announced him yeah. at E3. I don't know. But like how long him. had he been? Like I kind of got the impression he hadn't been in the game a ton before that. So like maybe they went back and added him in and now they're trying to make sure none of that's breaking thing, you know? So my counterpoint is like, yes, I am worried, but like, I don't think there's something fundamentally wrong with the game. I'm think I think they're trying to just get more like, they don't want to come out and be fall at 70. Exactly. <laughs> Microscopic hot take jumping off of that. And then, yeah, but it's just that I think the expectation of polish and graphical fidelity to always push like the n- push forward all the time, I think, is kind of detrimental to the industry because you yeah. have things where people are like, this has got to be the nicest looking, most complicated, most innovative thing you've ever seen every time. And that's why games are so expensive and the industry is kind of always on like a tiny little, is it going to exist in five years? We don't know. It's really expensive to run this. But yeah. Uh, man, I think that the new style of Assassin's Creed is much better than the original style. That's not a hot what? take. That's an, that's that is like, a hot take in Assassin's Creed fans. Is it? There are, are people are there crying pe- out. Are there diehards who really for like the original the stealth? Dozens of them. There are <laughs> dozens of them. I also just, piggybacking off that Assassin's Creed. My other Assassin's Creed is that I like the modern storyline, and mm-hmm. I don't want them to cut it from the games. I think they need to have a. See, here's okay. Here's my thing with the Assassin's Creed storyline. I've only played like two Assassin's Creed games, but I find the modern storyline fascinating. Here's their big problem with it they didn't plan it's, it out. It's no. not a cutscene. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, no, here's, here's, here's the problem. One is that they planned it out loosely to conclude, like, they thought, oh, if we tie it into 2012, which, you know, for 
if anyone's forgotten, that was kind of a thing for a while is going forward to 2012 in the Mayan calendar. It's a neat kind of like game, real life balance of like, oh, what if we have it all kind of wrap up in our 2012 game? We build to this, it concludes. Except they didn't really have an ending planned and they decided kind of during the development of three to not, from what I've heard, they did have plans to wrap it up better, but then decided not to for whatever reason and go on a different path. And ever since then, they've kind of just been making it up as they go. So I think if they ever want to bring it back, because I do find the modern day storyline fairly fascinating, not as fascinating as the movie thought I did because, oh my goodness, the movie completely missed the point on why anyone (laughs) likes this. Um, But I I think they need to have more of a goal with it. Um, I think Origins and Odyssey are working towards something. Yeah. It just hasn't fully paid off yet. Yeah, we'll that's see. Fair. I, I can push your take. I'm going to put a hot take in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> uh, I realized <laughs> as that was coming out. That <laughs> yep. Still going. <laughs> You've seen Arrested uh, Development, right? You're like tobiasing all over the place <laughs> i was looking of charles boyle from brooklyn, brooklyn nine, nine. nine like i don't Someone? hear it guys yeah. so so to all to, that aside to push your take hotter <laughs> it's a little better a little anyways just um, spit it out you you think bayek is a better protagonist than cassandra yes yeah yeah, that i i can't really argue about that a whole lot cuz i didn't play origins mm-hmm but from what I do know from reading comments and reviews and all of that, that's not a popular opinion. If you want to like up the ante of your Assassin's Creed take. Oh, you want me to add a th- another layer on there? I think people like Cassandra because she was a woman. And that's cool to be able to play as a woman, not be locked into your gender choice. Because there was a male protagonist you could pick that was the exact same character and story. Oh, but he wasn't. See, the thing is, is his vocal performance was like, but that isn't, I mean, I guess that is it, the It's the same character, but like, he's just this, kind of a generic dude. And then Cassandra was, she's a chick she was a, generic dude gen, she was a Greek hero, like, come to life. Like, she had that attitude were, about her. You were like Wonder Woman, kind of. Yeah. And like, her. people really like, attached. But I felt like her that. story and like, what she did in that game was underwhelming compared to the story they told with Bayek and Bayek's yeah. relationship with his wife and his motivations. Like, all of that was what I thought made Bayek cool. Not necessarily like, him isolated as a character. Yeah. But all, and it could just be my Egyptian slant, too. There are lots of reasons I liked Origin better, but I do think that Bayek was a better, more rounded, well-defined character. And I think part of that was because they just, they locked you into the gender that this was the story they were telling. Yeah. Cause that's, there that's were no what, dialogue choices. Yeah. Like that's what I was going to say. Like Bayek, you were playing Bayek's story, whereas Cassandra or whatever her Alexios. brother's name. Yeah. Cause <laughs> no one cares about it. Cause I do like, I do like Cassandra, but when you're playing as Cassandra, you are playing your story as cassandra and so it's like i do think that hurts the story in general a little bit because i liked bayek's now granted i haven't finished or or odyssey but you haven't finished a game uh, yeah shocking Um, yeah origins has a more but like satisfying conclusion too like anytime you're playing your character it's gonna be a little bit more questionable story-wise because it's like some people are going to really like it. Some people are going to be like, that wasn't as great of a story because like 
maybe the choices that they made locked them in out of, you know, a story that was better or something like that. So, and one in the DLC, when they did make her, they locked her into a, a mm-hmm. story choice. It made a lot of people mad because that's not my Cassandra. Yeah. So this is actually a time I want to, because you mentioned that and it's mentioned this on this entire note of choice versus character agency. Uh, Mark Brown just released like in the past week, a, extra special extra length episode of uh game makers toolkit all about commander shepherd and the relationship between the writers of mass effect and the player trying to make their own version it's sort of like that middle ground that shepherd represents between a pre-made character like nathan drake or a blank slate character like a bethesda character this is a character mm-hmm. who is has their own backstory has their own personality per se but you also have a hand in authoring it and all the different ways that um Bioware succeeded and failed as kind of defining that middle ground. It's mm-hmm. it's about an hour long, but it's absolutely fascinating. It does sound interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's called Commanding Shepherd. So I'd, I'd look into that. Um, in closing on that, it's not Assassin's Creed, but it's Ubisoft. Watch Dogs 2 is a fantastic game that more people needed to play. It was underrated. You're just going to throw that one out there, right? Yes. I'm not <laughs> right touching you're closing your... Yeah, I don't think that, any of us can round. can argue with that. Yeah, and I don't want it to because really I didn't be a play Watch Dogs. Yeah, because yeah. none of you played Watch Dogs. Well, too. that's because Watch Dogs One existed, and that was enough for me. <laughs> All right, I want to. I want to hear Caleb's most blistering take. Yeah. All let's, right. Let's I don't think this. I've like shouted at Caleb. I've shouted at you guys, but I haven't shouted at Caleb yet. Let's get round three. All right. Um, I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this because I could say it in a very simple way that it wouldn't communicate what I, I mean. Um, I think in general, like the entire culture and industry of gaming. We are really bad at articulating why we like the things we like, which I think often leads to, and why we make games the way we make them, which leads to just terrible design decisions. This goes back to, I've mentioned last time, this is where I'm getting into the, my open world games are bad, like, thing. (laughs) We think we want, like, a lot of content, and I don't, what we want are options, but basically, when we say that, I think a lot of developers just, like, here's things you can do i guess like here's like to go to the mad max game which is kind of like the the quintessential example that game is side quests and grocery lists the video game you just there's stuff to do that but nothing means anything like it just go run from point a to point b do this go take that base go to it's just filler the game which yeah no i think too many games are like that where they're just they don't actually have a purpose but we think they're neat because there's stuff to do, right? There's stuff to play. There's stu- It's got options. It's got padding. It's got, you know, you can sit there and play it for 60 hours. And it's kind of fun because the gameplay loop is like, sure, it's neat. But basically, I think it, when it boils down to it, we talk about games that we like. And we're like, I like this. So it has to be good. And also, here's why it's good. You can't, you're not actually talking about why it's good most of the time. You're talking about things you noticed while playing it. So... It really goes back down to the industry with the reviewers that I was talking about earlier. But also with gamers, we'll talk about, well, the we get hung up on graphics a lot because that's a thing that we notice. Um, to use Breath of the Wild as an example of like, why do I like it? Okay, well, my first instinct is just because it's neat. Like, it's calm. It's fun. Like, it's hard to kind of dig into it. The Like, some of the actual reasons I like it that I don't think about are the way the systems interact is fascinating and often creative and clever and I can do stuff and it does things that I don't predict, but that's much harder to articulate. And I'm still not even getting at it. Like I like 
the fact that I can do a thing and it does the thing in the same way, regardless of whether I intended it to it or not. Like even the way fire behaves in that game. Like if you, you can pull out your bow light, like go by a campfire, light your arrow, shoot it at a bokoblin while it's hitting the bokoblin pass over some grass, which catches the grass on fire, which causes an updraft, which you could then ride with your glider. Like that's all from like a couple different actions interacting I don't really think about. It's just the way the game behaves. So my blisteringly hot take that I'm getting to is most games aren't designed well. They're designed to give us like stuff that are to do that is kind of neat, but they're not actually like they're not thought about really. They're just put in there because like people like third person action games. So here's some third person action stuff. There's not enough intention in game design is what I'm saying. Like there's not enough. Okay. Let's talk about watchdogs for example, for a second. (laughs) There's the idea of, okay, what if you are a guy who could hack into stuff and what is that? What, what's the game based around that? Well, okay. If you want to get into places via hacking, that's okay. But it's all right. In real life, if you wanted to get break into a building that you weren't supposed to be in, do you know what actually one of the most effective things you can do in is? Put on a safety vest and a hard hat. Put on a safety vest and a hard hat or just walk in carrying a ladder. There have been people who like walked into museums with a ladder and like the security guards helped them in because they assumed like, oh, you're here to fix something. Didn't check credentials. Just a guy with a ladder got really far. You can't do that in most video games. Even one like Watch Dogs, which is ostensibly about like, Ah, yeah, I can mess with systems. I can create subterfuge. I can create like chaos a little bit just by playing with people's expectations, playing with people's, especially in a virtual space. It has that as like a surface level thing. Like, yeah, you can press a button and it hacks the thing or whatnot. And it can, it's basically magic powers via Bluetooth more so than anything actually like sitting down and thinking about what could you actually do? How can you actually like use this to, do interact with this world and so yeah that's that's my hot take is that we kind of just make the like the same five or six games and then like oh no it has like these little features on the edge to 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 make it different but it's there's not really a direction or goal caleb's presenting his thesis here we'll you'll have the full paper done in two years yeah i kind of agree with you to a certain extent on the on i don't know if it's the complete flip side but i think that especially in big games like Watch Dogs and Breath of the Wild and stuff like that, they're also creating worlds for you to explore and poke around in. Yeah, but most of the time those worlds suck. That might actually be the hot take. Is like, yeah, I mean, and yeah, sometimes they're trying I to create go with like 70% the, of the most time. like realistic or yeah, interesting but, world they can, and then they, but then they got to figure out what do you do in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, which, they're also, they're making a game staffed by hundreds of people who have families to feed and they've got investors who are expected to return and all of that. And so they, they're incentivized to pick something safe and shallow than to like push things that. Well, but uh, I can see, you know, like I think in general, probably most games try to do more than they need to. And if they picked fewer things to try to do, they would be more solid and better games that did fewer things. But we have that expectation of like, well, I'm paying $60 for this game. So I better get my hundred hours of gameplay out of it, even though that's a completely unreasonable expectation. And you're also like, like like these big triple A games, all these people working on it. Mm -hmm. 
there's that a whole layer of office politics and you've got such and such the head designer who has an objectively terrible idea but no one will stand up to them and the in college i used to wonder like how could such be bad what's this what's that and then getting like a real adult job and seeing like what offices are like you just oh i understand now why all of these things suck because they had my boss and yeah my okay yeah Yeah. i this all makes sense yeah i ran into the same thing at my not my current job but my previous job uh there were so many insanely questionable decisions made by the manager that i'm just like I'm I I know I never took a business class, but why? Why do yeah, you do or, this? Or if you know you're having to design by committee and everybody has to yep. write off on something, and then you're trying to please every like, you know, get all six people in a meeting room to agree on something, and that never works out because there's always a holdout, and you have to yeah. compromise to so that holdout, and that's a hold. And that's why your more innovative games are generally indies. smaller. My hot yeah. take with tinier innovative games is they need to step up their game a little bit cuz like everyone's just doing the same this is vaguely transcendental and about depression or something and it's like and yes, good. But yeah, no, and I don't think enough gamers do appreciate the the bureaucracy part of video game design where it's just mm-hmm. like they think like oh there's these you know charismatic leaders like Neil Druckmann or Corey Barlog who come in and do it, but there's also just often so much middle management and people doing their own things. Like one of the things Jason Schreier before he left Kotaku talked about at Naughty Dog was they were, you know, big on, Oh, well we don't have producers. People kind of do what they want and to elevate things. And then they pointed out all the ways that could go really, really wrong where people would work on stuff and no one would tell them, Hey, we cut that because they didn't have a producer like checking their everything's work because that slowed them down. But then you can just have people waste their time. Yeah. That's fair. Let's hear a grand finale, Dylan. So the um, hottest take that I put on here, there are some other doozies, but maybe we'll do an ep- or a part two to this episode at some point. So I'll save those. But my hottest take on here is that the Xbox One that was originally announced was ahead of its time and would have pushed the industry forward and was actually better than everything that came out. And I don't know how familiar familiar you guys are with what was originally announced for the Xbox One that everyone lost their minds about. Wasn't it TV, TV, TV? So it was a <laughs> box that could do a lot of things. And they um, originally announced that they were going to lock your disc to your console so you couldn't give your friend a game? No, because they were going to allow you to digitally share it without ever actually having to give your friend the disc. So Yeah, that got lost under the like one yeah. disc, one console. Yeah, and... Those are like everything that people had issues with. So the, 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 you put like it, the always on DRM sort of thing where you had to like be connected to the internet every like week realistically so that it could just re-verify that you hadn't like pirated or stolen the game or something like that. And the, the thing where it was going to, you know, unify all of the TV stuff and movies and all of that. All of these things, like the the peop- the nitpicky things people picked out about them, would have been solved within a year. Like the whole you can't sell your games back to GameStop. A, I don't know that would have been a bad thing. I think that would have been a good thing for the industry as a whole. Can can an extra bonus hot take be that GameStop's not good for the industry? <laughs> exactly. That's not exactly. I don't know that being able to, like a I buy all digital anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered if I bought all digital. 
Tom wouldn't have had to go out and buy his Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3 copies. I could have just digitally lent him Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3 for him to play. And he could have just played those. And if he liked them, then he could have bought them. And we wouldn't have even had to trade a disc. And like, B, people were complaining about it being always online. Why are you buying an Xbox if you don't want to be connected to Xbox Live? Like, I There's know that there are people, I know people. there are plenty of people out there. I know. And this is getting As my first to, hot take said, why? All right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the ultimate rebuttal. I'm glad that this the is troops. a hot, hot take. <laughs> the troops bring their consoles with them on ships overseas. They don't have internet. And like I said, this would have been something that was immediately solved within a year. If if we had allowed Xbox to continue to innovate instead of throwing a little hissy fit like the babies we are, no, Dylan, you're not, allowed to re- you're not allowed to rebut him. He brought up the troops, America, Dylan. Yeah, America. They play that Sony anyway. But military men have good. It would it would have been fixed. And the fact that everyone threw a hissy fit about it has hindered, like, because you look at a lot of the things that people have complaints about, like, oh, well, we're going towards a digital thing, but we haven't solved a lot of the problems that come with digital games. That would have been solved. That would have been fixed. Microsoft would have fixed it because we would expect them to fix it as consumers using their product. But instead, we threw a hissy fit because I got to have my disc. Like... (laughs) I need to sell it back for $5 to GameStop a week later after I buy it. I want to know more I, about I would, the septuagenarian who's selling <laughs> GameStop, personally. I, I would, would argue that the only reason the one didn't crash and burn on launch was because of a, the collective hissy fit. Because there were some really bad ideas and directions they were going with the one. but I don't see and I don't, I don't agree his, with you. To his I, history. I, I think that the because everything that xbox is doing right now they're talking about services they're talking like they've essentially come back and done you know like your xbox can be a set top box that does everything that you know tv stuff does sure maybe they emphasize that a little bit much at the start but they've gone back and basically just done that anyway yeah and, they've, and they've proven will, it can they but they have no longer tried to lead out of the gate with this is a set top box well, okay. that plays games. But that's They're my like, point. Here's our game box. Oh, and now you can watch all of your streaming stuff. And okay. that's just a given. We're okay. not going to tout that as our. But I think that's, that's what most point. people took an issue with was they came out of the gate with the you can watch all your shows and this is a set top box. And they led with that and instead of leading with this is a games console oh, here's some, like, if you want to watch HBO, you can. Okay, but A, several points. A, you're a PC gamer who, on this episode, has touted, well, you can do other stuff on your PC. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you play games on it. So the PC is more you're like, selling Your selling point for the PC was, and I quote, you can do other things on a PC that you can't do yeah, on a console. I didn't say it's bad that the Xbox does other yeah. things. I'm saying it's bad when you take so, your dedicated game console where you're like, this thing is built for games. You want you to spend extra money on electronics that is meant for games because this is better than getting a generalist piece of hardware like a PC. Oh, we're going to turn this into a generalist piece of hardware. But also, so your your point is their messaging was bad, which means that my point in my opinion, that it was ahead of its time the, that we just threw a hissy fit because the messaging was bad. Like, and also, you know, looking at some of my other hot takes, which have been that 
in general, gamers are not represented because the average gamer would love all of the things that Xbox put out there, but the voice of the industry shot it down with their hissy fit. We're going to go drag up some forum threads <laughs> after this and see what the people really thought about the... I didn't okay, but you're, look, you're talking about threads of quote-unquote gamers that I have already said I don't think those people actually represent so you, you normal think, gamers. You think uh, X Master Chief 117X who gets on... The I don't even know what forums are big back in the like neo gaff. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't think you're going to you, find you, you an think opinion. He's not a representative. No, I'm saying he does represent gamers as a portion, but as, are his opinions representative of general gamers? No, because you're not going to find that opinion on a neo gaff forum with a username from someone who named themselves after <laughs> Halo. <laughs> that person is so immersed in gaming culture that they're not going to... Like, Abby, we had her on our Animal Crossing episode. She is a gamer, technically. She plays two games. She would have liked all of the features much better on this Xbox that they initially announced than X Master Chief 117X <laughs> on NeoGAF would have. And, and you think Abby is going to, like, also, also why does why does X Master Chief one one seven X have an issue with it being always on when he's clearly on the internet posting on NeoCab? Dylan's taking my example too seriously. <laughs> this, this might be like the first episode where Dylan's audio actually clips. <laughs> you know, but I, I yeah. Like, okay. I'm not. That's... I'm not saying that everything that they did was right. I'm not saying that their messaging was right. I'm saying. I think the industry as a whole would be in a better place with the consoles if gamers, quote unquote, had not thrown a hissy fit about so, the things that they wanted to put on because I think that would have a lot of the issues we're now talking about as like going into this next generation are are issues that I believe would have been solved had we've been like, okay, you know, I don't really know what you're doing, Xbox, but I'm going to trust you that you're going to like put this out there, fix it, and now we're going to be great. You know. So you're saying that if if they had marketed the exact console with the exact same features to the core gamer audience better, to where it just stayed how it was and people adopted it, that the industry would be better. But there yes. was a messaging problem. The me- yeah, because I, like Joe was saying, yeah. Abby would never go out and buy that box day one, so Xbox would not sell enough consoles to be relevant. Yeah, but... I don't think, yeah. But if, so, if the, the a messaging few years was down wrong. the road that console yeah. was discounted and Abby's shopping for a new DVD player or something, oh, there's an option for me. Yeah. But the people that they need to buy it out the gate, they kind of burned yeah. with what so, they were trying. Exactly. With, the, with the way they marketed it. With the way they marketed it. Like, I, I, don't, I think like the messaging just, was wrong. I don't think the console was wrong. And they walked back the console. They took away a lot of the stuff that I think would have pushed away, pushed forward the industry because their messaging was so bad. I think a lot of what everyone's saying is interesting. I do think, <laughs> I do think, um, jumping off Andrew's point, I think there's a problem the industry as a whole kind of had like around that era, end of last generation, where like part of it was just that no one was really certain if consoles were going to stay a thing because the mm-hmm. previous generation had lasted longer than they normally do. And so sales had started to dip more than they normally did. So people were like, and we do this every console generation. Yeah, like that our, conversation comes up. It, yeah, it'll it, it's probably come up again in the past year. I haven't been paying attention, and it will probably come up again when the next cycle starts to fade out. But um, towards the end of that generation, though, with it, our console's dead. 
a lot of the games industry did kind of start turning towards like general consumer over gamer. And I think it kind of backfired on them because the general consumer still thought it was just gibberish. Like, what does any of this mean? What, why am I like, what are you trying to tell me? You know, it's like the bit from Finding Nemo. I swear it's trying to speak to me. Um, and then the gamers are just like, wait, what? Hang on, we're the people who are more likely to buy your five hundred dollar box. What? What do we get from this? Like, what's what's the point? Yeah. So it was it was kind of a mess for everyone because I remember like a couple, I remember a couple of Nintendo conferences that were really insufferable to sit through because they were just like statistics and families and here are the con- like but- togetherness and I'm like. Are we get, uh, new Zelda or no? Like, what's yeah. the answer here? And, and so, like, one hundred percent, I agree. But at the same time, I think that going after general consumers is not a bad. You know, like, Andrew, no, it's not you, a bad you, idea. You but brought they... up the the example of like, well, Abby would never buy this. But like, if all she knew about Sony was this play game good, and mm-hmm. then Xbox was like. Yeah, it plays games, but like it also runs all of, you know, like they they focused on things that mattered to people. And again, going back to my earlier hot take of like, I don't think gamers are like general people, general gamers are represented. I would be willing to bet that a lot of gamers have a significant other or have a family or, you know, that kind of thing. That's maybe not as on board with them buying a $500 piece of hardware that only plays games that they care about, you know? Whereas right. so the fa- the whole family could use it. Yeah, but whereas like if I'm you know a 15 year old kid trying to talk my parents into an Xbox and it's also going to do all of these other things that they care about, I think that's a lot easier of a sell for a 500 dollar piece of equipment. Um, yeah. and- Although it is funny because I've already had to have the discussion with my parents whenever I move out. I kind of have to buy them a replacement PlayStation so they can still watch movies. <laughs> yeah. So you know, again. At the time, you know, going up on E3 stage, which, you know, we can get into a whole debate about how E3 is actually like for, it's not for gamers, it's for like business investors. side of things. Yes, it is um, for investors. And so they actually did need to market it like that and gamers took it incorrectly, kind of like Sony's recent conference where they were like, this is what our console does. This is for G or GDC people. But gamers were like, but it didn't matter to me. Like yeah, you didn't show me the box. Yeah. Um, and so meanwhile, I'm like, hold, hang on the load times are what? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, messaging that gets jumbled, but in general, again, to wrap up my hot take is if it had been messaged correctly or we had just been mature people and let them do their thing. You realize you're, Talking to video game yeah. players, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, I love you guys. Dylan has too much faith in 2010 <laughs> Microsoft. I This is the company that thought Zune and Windows 8 were good things. <laughs> okay. That's fair. This this was before Nadella took over and like things got better at Microsoft. I, I don't think I have a hot take as heavy as what's what has been presented thus what far. W- what about you, Joe? <laughs> oh, okay. I need to antagonize Caleb because I've antagonized everybody else. And like Caleb's been been pitching them um so what are you gonna say so about i'm Nintendo? gonna say the <laughs> no the crowd who makes a fuss about single player games are the sports ball sayers of the video game world see i'd normally do that for the esports but okay i mean i'm curious what's what's what? so the, the the people who make a fuss about like oh this uh you know they act like single player games or it's like this persecuted minority <laughs> 
They're like, I just want to play a single player game. I don't want to play online. And anytime a single player only game gets announced, they're all like, yeah, this is a, this is our game. Like get your online out of here. And I don't like to play with other people and all of that. That's all fine. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but they get so vocal. It's like the person who it's like, you know, if a football game's on and they come in and go, oh, you guys watching the sports ball in there? <laughs> like, like I come in from a, a reformed sports ball sayer myself. Like, <laughs> you realize that you think people care that you're not into football? People don't. <laughs> and you think that people, like, think you're less cool for not liking football? They don't. They really don't care at all. They like football. They're into their thing. And so for you to come in loud and be like, hey, guys, I'm not into the thing you're into. I want to be really loud and make that clear. I'm not into your thing. People who focus on just single player and talk about how it's like most, most everything members needs of to the have gaming single player. Industry, you mean. Everything needs to be like <laughs> single player. I don't care about big online stuff. It's this. Those are equivalent. It's I'm like, yeah. honestly super attacked by the sports ball say thing because I do that like I didn't just watch. <laughs> <laughs> I say that like I didn't just watch a ten part documentary on Michael Jordan, but um, he's really good, by the way. Like really, really dang good. Huh. Um, see, I don't like football, but I do like basketball. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I understand what you mean. I am that guy who is often like, gee, it is like, hard, like I will every time they announce like a big single, like God of War was for me like holy crap, it's just like a self-contained single player, that's it, go for it. I'm like, this is awesome. So yeah, I can understand why that's like mildly insufferable, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. and nothing wrong with only liking single player stuff and all all of that. It's But yeah, like it's just the, little, the, like, yeah. the fan pages. When you need to like yeah. gaming pages talk about like how you don't like playing online. The, the vocal people yeah. that represent gaming that claim that single player games are best. What? I mean, they. Uh, he's That's, still trying to. He's keeping that point like stuck yeah, at Joe, the top Joe of the mountain. Got, like flag is waving. Like he's in a Michael Bay movie. I, I I'm just saying. That. Like basically every reviewer that I've listened to and and read, every, most gaming news people are like, "Well, I don't care about the multiplayer. I only care about the single player games." I mean, they are better, but that's besides the not point. Everybody, uh, not Dylan's, everybody. Dylan's Dylan's tone makes me feel like I should be like offended and like defensive, <laughs> but well, so I I will. No, I, I, in general, I, I agree with your point, Joe. Um, I will say I am against needless multiplayer add-ons just to be able to claim, well, we have multiplayer too. You know? Yeah, oh, I do not. Miss oh, that there's, era. there's plenty yeah. of, of crappy yeah. multiplayer, but I'm thought, yeah. But no, I, I definitely 100% agree with you. Of like, oh, why don't they make single-player games anymore? It's like they, they do, and. Even if a game They're has a story some, and has yeah. a multiplayer mode, like you, you do realize th- this is a small hot take that I'll just throw in here. You can play a game and not collect everything, guys. You can play a game and not beat it and be complete. You can be a whole person and still have an enjoyable experience. Same thing. You Wait, can play a game. You can? Yeah. You can play a game that has multiplayer and never touch the multiplayer and be okay. It's I did that happen. with Titanfall too. Which I've heard the multiplayer is good, just uh, it's not my thing. I had yeah. a good time with Titan. So, so one hundred percent, I agree with Joe here. Yes, I promise we're all friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, what I f- find really funny is not a f- one last tiny hot take, but I was just surprised <laughs> this didn't come from anybody else because I was expecting it. 
Nintendo needs to get their butt together about like classic games. They just they they need to have like an organized system. Their uh, digital services are so incredibly archaic. See, it's stupid. I had a bunch of Nintendo takes. Like their online infrastructure sucks. They make us rebuy the same games yep. over and over. Uh, their games stay sixty dollars. Uh, I don't have a problem with that one. The as whole much. classic game thing that you're talking about, but those aren't hot. Like we no, all yeah. pretty much agree. No, but we I just, just suck it up and deal with it because of Nintendo games. Yeah, it's gold. more. It's up that like Nintendo could literally print money. Why aren't they literally printing money? And it's like because Nintendo already prints money, and they're like, <laughs> well, we we got like lots of money. We could go for a lot, a lot of money, but we'll just stick with lots of money for now. All right. Well, I. I'm just saying, because everyone is like jokingly antagonizing each other. I'm like, I feel like as the Nintendo t- guy, I'm the easy target here. But <laughs> I, yeah, I just feel like we're all on board with That's, Nintendo's problems. Again, so, even the hardcore <laughs> Nintendo guy, I'm just sitting here like, would it be so hard to have like a Steam account where it's like you own Super Mario Brothers 3? From now on, any console that you ever buy that has a digital version of Super Mario Brothers 3, you just have it. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. That's the kind of stuff uh, Microsoft's doing. Yeah, well, but they can they, suck it. Yep. Instead of going all the way it's back. That kind of stuff PCs have had for the last forever. <laughs> they can suck it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move into the Game Pass report. I can't play my game from 1995 on my PC, though, because it's broken. <laughs> yes, you, you can get DOSBox and you can play it. That's extra steps, Joe. Sorry. Right. Hey, you did, you, did you hear me? Let, let's move on. So he started it. Well, actually, I'm going to transition based off my little bonus hot take there. Um, instead of a Game Pass report, you mentioned on like PlayStation Now or whatever. By the way, I did just get PlayStation Now for like a year. So I will be. It do, yeah, it doesn't explicitly have to come from the Game, Game Pass. Pass. Uh, so there's a couple games on there I'll probably play and talk about. There's some odd, odd ones. Um, I played some of Super Star Wars. It's very bad. Anyway, the actual thing I want to talk about is on the Super Nintendo Online service, um, Kirby's Dreamland 3, which is the most underappreciated of all the Kirby games, honestly. Uh, so Kirby games are weird. I don't know if anyone's ever picked up on this. They have this weird kind of... Yeah. Yeah. That your main character is a pink blob that inhales stuff. And copies its powers. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but yeah, but part, just, you can lift of, it. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's But it's also partially weird because the Kirby games bounce back and forth between the quote-unquote normal Kirby games, which are side-scrolling platformers where you right. have Kirby's special copy power and they play... Or, and then you have... Every other game, it feels like Nintendo's just like, what if we made something really random and weird and then just put Kirby on it? So you have Kirby Canvas Curse. You have Kirby's Dream Course, which is like a weird golf game that actually is really good. I don't, oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, one day yeah. I'll have to talk about that. You have Kirby's Air Ride. You have all these experimental things, and they'll go back and do another one. Kirby's Dream Land 3 is kind of stuck because Kirby's Dream Land 2 is the one that the first main series one to use copy abilities. It was introduced in Kirby Adventure and then brought to Dream Land 2. And Dream Land 2 is still probably one of the better, like, traditional Kirby games. And then after Kirby's Dream Land 3 was Kirby Superstar, which is probably the best Kirby game. Like even if you don't normally go for Kirby games, every wish and like Superstar is a classic. It's great. And then even then after that, you have Kirby 64, which is a fan favorite because it has the combination power. So you can like mm-hmm. combine cutter and whatnot. Kirby's Dream Land 3 in comparison feels very tame. Like it, well, what's its special thing? Well, it's a fairly normal Kirby game. Like that's, that's, there's not a whole lot there compared to superstars like oh it's actually like six different games combined into one or yeah 64's combo powers 
but it is just the very straightforward. The art style's adorable. Looks like it was drawn with crayons. Even like on the Super Nintendo, it looks great. Like, but it's got a really interesting structure of like each level is pretty self-contained, easy to go through. Kirby games are not hard, mm-hmm. but each level has basic, for lack of a better term, a side quest. Like at the end of each level, when you get to the end gate, like the little door you go through to the end, you first you go through the gate, and before you get to the actual room where you do the traditional Kirby ending mini game. There is a random character with someone they made up or a guest from another Nintendo game. Samus makes an appearance, actually. And they're just sitting there in the middle of this room. And it plays like this little one of two little tones. Either you did something throughout the level to um, complete their side quest or you didn't. And then you can go through the go through the door, finish the level. If you did, you start accumulating these little medals that after you get all of them, you can get to the game's true ending. But it's just fun because it adds a little challenge that doesn't always make sense the first go around. So like the very first level has a flower. And the way to complete this flower side quest is in one of these sections of the level earlier, there are these flowers on the ground. You can't trample them. That's the whole thing. You wouldn't think about it normally, but just... They're weird enough that you would notice they're different from the normal scenery, Mm -hmm. but you would just normally blaze through wreck everything like the god of carnage kirby is Um, (laughs) seriously kirby is mildly lovecraftian and it's horrifying but it's just it adds an extra little thing to each level that's actually kind of fun and then like i said with samus it gets cute because what you have to do is uh get the ice kirby ability and there's metroids throughout the level so if you take out all of the metroids in an homage to metroid 2 you Samus takes her helmet off and like gives you a thumbs up as an, again, an homage to the Metroid series. And that's how you complete the side quest for that level. So it's Rob also makes an appearance. So it's just this fun little like extra clever thing. Cause it's not always apparent what you're supposed to do, but once you figure it out, it's usually pretty cute and it's, it makes for a really good time. But yeah, it's a very, if you have a Nintendo switch and you pay the $5 a year, or however much it costs to get their <laughs> online services, I think um, it's 20, but it's, yeah, it's still it's super cheap. super cheap. Yeah. Absolutely worth it. Just for the access to the old Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. Because that's mostly all you're getting. Yeah. I mean, you get the online services for Splatoon and whatnot, which are fun, but, or online for Smash. But yeah, no, it's uh, worth the price for the those games alone. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd re- absolutely recommend trying out Kirby's Dream Land 3 at some point. It's very chill, very laid back. If you need something to relax and play, it's good. If you want to just blaze through the game without getting the side quests, again, Kirby games are not hard. Like Kirby games are pretty much the quintessential. I've never played a video game before. Can I? Right. Can I play a platformer? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're. Look, even if you die, it does not matter. This isn't. You're not going to get stuck. It is as traditional for a good game design, though. Very hard to get to the actual true ending and like master, but to actually play through, it's a breeze. So yeah, that's my Game Pass report. Well. To prove we're all still friends, let's play a competitive game against each other. So Joe's hosting our closing game this time. What you got for us, Joe? I have a bunch of Jeopardy style questions. Not actually from Jeopardy. That's where I started with that, but their questions are, I think, too easy for our audience. So, uh, and we'll go through however many we get through. Um, 
So okay. we answer in the form of a question, though. That's yeah, the so you right answer there. in the form of a question. Yeah, for those who don't aren't you know tuned into how Jeopardy works. Yeah, because uh, I would be willing to bet that most people listening younger our- younger than twenty five probably not super familiar with Jeopardy. Ex- I'm younger than twenty five, and I've seen a ton most of Jeopardy. People. You're most an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jeopardy okay. is that show that's on at the day in the daytime, like it's all, on it all day. Okay. Do we're we, moving on. <laughs> do we have to like, buzz in or something? Just whoever says it first. Okay. It's, okay. Category is uh, like names of games. Okay. This game features you as a purple dragon who runs around collecting what gems and finding. It's a point for Tom. He beat me by two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying this to game let him... features a war between humans and an alien race known as the Covenant. What is Halo? The point for Dylan. Fifteen might not be too many. <laughs> uh, if you guys get them, especially okay, if this you one, I actually don't series. know the answer to. Uh, in this game, oh, there good. is war over part of the Milky Way galaxy between three teams: a humanoid race, an insectoid alien race, and an exiled human race. I feel like I've played this game. It's not a Destiny? Not bug, not insect. Oh, there's no oh wait, well. What is Destiny? It, well, okay. It, I think no, it is okay. what is Destiny. <laughs> actually, no. Okay, so Caleb answered first and got it wrong. So actually, so then I guess somebody could steal, but then you yeah. said the same thing and you're wrong. Uh, what is StarCraft? Okay. I thought it was StarCraft, but I didn't think the... The Protoss people are like they're exiled the humanoid. Human? Oh, exiled, exiled humanoid, insectoid. Okay, I'm like and an exiled human race. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Regardless of human, I thought it was I thought it was Starcraft up until the exiled humanoid, and I'm, I thought it was humans. I'm like, yeah, because I was like the Forsaken in Destiny are technically okay. Exiled humans. In this online game, you play as a champion and try to destroy an opposing team's nexus. What, oh, what is, is Dota? No, League of Legends? What is League of Legends? You said what is Dota. You're already wrong. What is League What of Legends? All right, so that's two for Dylan. Technically, that was Caleb for the most part. He buzzed in first, but he said what is under Jeopardy <laughs> rules. That was his answer, and it's wrong. <laughs> Joe's All a stickler. Right. I haven't seen Jeopardy. <laughs> There's a Weird Al song about it. Pretty catchy. Apparently people over the age of 25 aren't that familiar with Jeopardy either. <laughs> Thought this Joe was universal. Friends. <laughs> I'm wondering. All right, next week we'll have a refresher on how Wheel of Fortune works. <laughs> <laughs> this game started as an arcade game in 1986 and was playable on many systems. You're a radioactive monster who loves destroying buildings. What game are you playing? Uh, what is Rampage? Yep. So that's one for Tom, two for Dylan, and one for Caleb. Sure. All right, so we're going to run down <laughs> the characters category and call it a day. The famous Mario Party games give you Mario, Luigi, Princess Daisy, Princess Peach, Yoshi, Wario, Toad, and Waluigi. More playable characters were added. Name one. Who is Toadette? I... Yes. <laughs> they don't have that listed here, but the, I know that to be a correct answer. So okay. that's almost a gimme because name any, any Mario, Mario character. character. There were so many options that I was like paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip Cooper. that one because that one's too easy. Damn. 
This person shows up when you win awards in Fallout and is based loosely off the Uncle Moneybags from Monopoly. Who is Pip-Boy? Incorrect. Dang it. I, that was... I don't... That was I have no idea. idea. Who is... Oh, the, the Pip-Boy. Don't, don't answer incorrectly. You might get dinged. Yeah. You can just let it time out. We need music. Right? <laughs> there's no music. Regular questions, there's no music. It just buzzes out yeah, vault no. boy vault boy okay uh, oh. i yeah i thought his name was pip boy no that's that i realized after yeah. i said that's the device is a pip boy vault boy is the little okay dude. in bioshock you fight giant mutated men in heavily armored diving suits who what is big daddy <laughs> <laughs> it's loud you can buzz it as soon as you think you know yeah i this character is a lieutenant in a purple-colored gang. She sleeps with everyone but you. Who is Shan- Shandy? Shandy. Uh, Saints Row 3? Saints Row 3, yeah. Saints Row, yeah, she's purple in 3. She wasn't purple in 2. Anyways, I believe that makes Dylan the winner. Because Yay. Dylan got 3 correct, and then... Does it hurt you to say that after this episode? No. You two seem strained. <laughs> In general, we mostly agreed. Yeah. Right. And just Dylan Dylan is wrong about frame rate not mattering, but Okay, well let's end it. It's a long one. It was tense. I want to make sure we're all still friends. So <laughs> thanks for checking out this episode of the Level Playing Field Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to help us out in growing our community, please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and give us a like or a follow. If you have any suggestions, questions, or just want to say hey, feel free to reach out on social media or email us at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com. A big thank you to my co-hosts, Caleb, Dylan, and Joe, and an even bigger thank you to our listeners. We sincerely appreciate you. I say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. See ya. I promise we're all still friends. (laughs) 